too bad uh, the planet had to die to make it happen. Oh, that is true. <laughs> God, I would yeah. talk about a monkey's paw situation there. <laughs> That's literally like a revelations. Al Gore, I'm going to show you what the internet can do. He's like, oh my God, playing Borderlands online with people like in different countries. And he's like, <laughs> at the cost. <laughs> yeah. The combustion engine. It's, it's worth killing the planet so that some uh, 10 year old shooting people on Call of Duty can hear racial slurs. <laughs> yeah. That is all that that like, it always cracks me up whenever parents ask or people ask in general about like buying online cards and stuff like that, or like the ratings of video games. Just like, man, if you, if you have any online connectivity, yeah, you're just. It doesn't matter if you're you've got a Nintendo system or whatever. If you're playing Fortnite with anybody in the world, <laughs> if it has an online feature, somebody is going to use it to do something terrible. Right. Uh huh. I'm sure you can use Animal Crossing to do terrible shit. <laughs> Unless you're Elijah Wood, have you seen that? That's the news this week. No, what happened? <laughs> he um, uh, somebody just like the way that other lots of people do. There's like the turnip market thing, and uh, if you get the like the really high selling point, which is usually around like 600 for one. That's like really rare and people try to like help other people when they have that. So they'll be like, oh, okay, like it doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to be friends. I give you this link. And then like, as long as I am hosting this link, you can come to my island. And um, <laughs> Elijah Wood posted like on his Twitter that he was looking for an island that was like selling bet like turnips at a high price. And somebody responded and gave him a code and he came over and there's all these amazing screenshots. It's so funny because they're, you've seen what they look like. They're the little people. And Elijah Wood is wearing exactly what you would expect, which is just like a long sleeve blue shirt with no pattern and like an exact Elijah Wood haircut. And it's all these clips of him saying things like, your island is so beautiful. Would it be all right if I pick some fruit? And the other person would be like, oh, fucking course. Yes, like, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> then he like they host like a little like photo session and then as he leaves he says something about like ryan johnson forever <laughs> that he left I, I don't even know what the world is anymore <laughs> i was like that's nice it's nice every now and then when a celebrity descends from celebrity heaven and is especially one of the good celebrities like elijah wood and just like extends yeah. this olive branch like look we can pretend like we're people too. <laughs> we are people too. I didn't realize that he like produced Mandy or like helped produce Mandy. Yeah, I think I heard that that was the case. Yeah, and that new um, like color out of that HP Lovecraft movie that they did with Nicolas Cage, Color Out of Space or something like that. I haven't seen that yet, but I really want to. It looks kind of awesome. Yeah, that's definitely on my list. I love Mandy. That's like one of my new favorite horror movies, like for sure. Or, I mean, horror is just the like closest like genre that I would put it in. Revenge flick, trippy, psychedelic movie. It's too bad they're all going to die because they're out of adrenochrome because Q is right. <laughs> well, if we want to talk about <laughs> something that would adapt to, uh, not to segue here, but if we want to talk about something that would adapt into an amazing, awful Nicolas Cage project, uh, <laughs> Cryptozoic Man is one of the fucking worst things that I've ever had to look at with two human eyeballs. Oh, we will get into it. <laughs> have you, have either of you read Widening Gyre, the Batman one that he drew? 
I have. I thought it was. I don't know. It was okay. It was just yeah, Batman. I don't... Look, look. Now that you have had to look at this, go back to that and just like look at it because somebody gave me that book and I ended up giving it away because I was like, I hate looking at it. It reminds me too much of like this. Yeah. Ooh. We will. We will get into it. So I, I suppose we should do the podcast intro. Though. Sure. Yeah. We. Hey. Welcome to that podcast we've we've been doing for several minutes now. We've bantered the exact appropriate <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. And I feel like once we segue into the subject, we should probably say hello. Yeah. This is uh, also the perfect time for introductions now that Aura is not present. No, yeah. I'm here. Fuck! He's uh, just not video. <laughs> I, 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 I killed banter. the video to see if I can stabilize the connection. That will probably help, I think, because it will it should reduce your bandwidth usage, right? I it's stabilizing hope. my emotional connection with you. Or is uh, is being Skypey today, as he does. Um, so this is that podcast we'll never do. It's a podcast we talk about comics. Uh, I'm your host Josh, and you have been listening to also your hosts Cody and Aura. That is true. No, no fancy titles. Ah, it's a time of plague. <laughs> once you, but once we get to the subject the matter, there are, you... there are more important things. Or do you think I have time to sit around and think of clever nicknames for you? When yes, <laughs> okay, I'm the Jersey Devil and Cody's Sasquatch, and I don't know, you're a fucking jackalope. So oh. there you go. <laughs> it is I, the jackalope. <laughs> I'm a jackalope. I'm a I'm a cute bunny, but I'll stab you with my horns. <laughs> Not the truth, the truth is, it's been so long since we've done one of these that I forgot that I do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's this show's gimmick. So, uh, so Aura, I hear there are some things about our show on a network. I just burned myself. <laughs> thanks aura so all right subject this week. <laughs> the network that we're on um that podcast productions.fireside.fm you can find all the nonsense there i bent my wookie <laughs> <laughs> Good, so yeah so what are we doing this week cody <laughs> Hong, Chewie, Leia, they have all my favorites. Uh, no favorites here. Neither one of these books are anybody's favorite comics. I just want to make that <laughs> right now. These were, this was two dumpster fires competing to be the yeah. worst dumpster fire, you know? Well, well this is going to be the contentions. I thought it was one dumpster fire, fire and one eh. Oh man, I'm really curious what you think is which of these turds you think is high enough praise to get an eh. Freshman. Uh, I mean, we're we're not gonna be hiding the room. You think of these ones? <laughs> sure, fair. Well, one of those characters is literally th- throwing up on themselves on the front cover. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like the static triangle noise that comes from Aura every now and then. <laughs> His square is lighting up too. We can't even. You you want to maybe try calling in Aura? Maybe. We maybe, maybe note this down and cut the calling in part. 
yeah, I we could splice it in it. I think it'll be fine if we want to. I mean, if we want to do it that way, yeah. Or we could just keep going while Laura's calling in. I think <laughs> we're gonna use this audio one way or the other anyway. Yeah. As long as this main call keeps recording, I'll be able to trim this part out right now. Yeah. Because most of the time I do like like zero editing for these shows. Yeah. That's what I would do. <laughs> I would just pull quotes for the beginning and end. And right, yeah, I, I I fit in the uh, the music. That's why I'd get that's why I get pissed when Aura wanted me to, inevitably when something would be in the episode that he wanted me to cut out. I'd be like, I have to listen to it. You know, remember where that is? I didn't write that down. Yeah, that's <laughs> this this one is definitely more of a loose form. That's why the show ends up being two hours long sometimes. Unfortunately. Yeah. We could keep an eye on that this time. Yep. And I feel like the subject matter will keep us from talking too long on this one. Yeah. I mean, we, it's kind of the inverse of our uh, up all night uh, program that we do that show, like the worse the property is the, like the more fun it is to rip on it and we can make sketches and things like that for this when we're just like exploring themes and concepts and ideas and, the theme for these couple of episodes is basically people doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. I think we could argue that that is the conceit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's there's, there's only just so, so much you can say about something that's bad where you're just like, it's not good. It's bad. But so I guess, well, while we're still waiting, we can get into that, uh, that the topic so we picked comic books done by non-comic book people or at least not based in that it was a freshman was seth green who that's what i would he he did the intro and was like a co-creator and then there was somebody else that worked on it who might have been a robot chicken person yeah um hugh sturbikov Leonard Kirk inks. Yeah. Co-created by Seth Green and Hugh Sturbikov, who might be from something. I don't know. I can look that up. And Written by Hugh Sturbikov. Pencils by Leonard Kirk. Inks by Andrew yeah. Papoy. Colors by Tyson Wingler. Letters by Troy Patiri. At least they credit like every single person on the cover of it too that's involved. Yeah. But, oh God, this just... This yeah, one that. specifically reminds me of such a like a bland time in Marvel com- like Marvel and DC comics where I just like wasn't reading anything at all that wasn't yeah. some weird indie darling thing. Would we have would we have a year on it? Uh this came out like late 90s early 2000s I think. Uh, let's see. It is of its era. You welcome, see, he's welcome a scientist back. who turned himself into a pickle. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, 2006, which completely makes sense. That's later than I thought. Yeah. Oof. By this point, things like Scott Pilgrim and Kick-Ass were already out, like the comic books, at least for those. So it's like you, the industry was already trying to do a little bit something different than like the typical like cape and hero like type stuff. Don't remind me of kick ass. 
that I feel like that is the closest comparison to this. Like not as mm-hmm. good. Or if you ever saw, you know how there was all those the scary movies, and then there's like not another teen movie and disaster yeah. movie, and then there's like superhero movie that's like from two people who watched scary movie and that one was basically spider-man but with drake bell as dragonfly man that's what this reminds me of wow you guys both really hated that a lot more than i did (laughs) i'm not i'm not gonna fight for it because i didn't like it well that's what way way to love way to love the book josh (laughs) (laughs) i just thought it was real generic top cow maybe a little wordier yeah, I mean, like, that's what, it's not bad, bad, but there's nothing that stands out. It's less exciting than a boring X-Men-like story. Maybe I'm giving it some expectation points because it's Top Cow, and Top Cow sucks. <laughs> Top Cow does um, the uh, the Tick stuff, don't don't they? Or at I don't some think point? so. Oh, no? Do I have that wrong? No, they, they were, their main things were uh, Witchblade in the Darkness. Oh, I'm I'm definitely thinking of something different then. They were they were very they had a very distinctive in-house art style. Uh, how would you sense. describe the in-house art style, Aura? Uh slick, computer generated, computer colored, like that sort Cookie of thing. Cutter. I would say uh, kit centric. Mark Sil- Mark Silvestri, like his like his art style and people who ape him. Uh, titsy yes titsy yes. would be a good very, very boobular yes. uh was, was, was top cow back in the um, day before Zenisco I mean, took the crown well it's weird because like now they're into since they don't do witchblade or darkness anymore now they're into like i don't know uh political intrigue sort of comics <laughs> like yeah, you do occasionally <laughs> see a comic from them and you're just like top cow still publishing yeah. The fuck did that happen? Because they do. Um, I'm trying to remember. Like they're they're a bunch of titles with real generic names. Like, and this isn't one of the titles, I don't think. But things just like titled "Wicked," you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, they say I bought a bundle. I think that had some of their stuff for that. I think they did Postal. That's the one. Yeah. They do some weird like social commentary sci-fi stuff now. Like, yeah. it was a bundle of Top Cow stuff, and I was like, "This will be premium trash." That's a for some shitter reading, so let's, let's sort through a couple of these. And let's they were all it. like, "There's one Port of Earth," I think was them. Yeah, I might be wrong on that. Where it's like, "Oh, it's about like Earth has been sold to these aliens as a as a, as a port for they can." But there's all this intrigue over how are we being treated, and, and I'm like, "Jesus fuck, this is the darkness, people." <laughs> that that book where there was that splash panel about how they need to stop a guy from fucking. <laughs> Aspen has followed kind of a similar trajectory. Like Aspen comics is weird because you know it's all yeah. it was all aping people who aped Michael Turner, you know. Yeah. And so then, like you know they had away. Fathom and various Fathom ripoffs for a very long time, you know. Um, but now they're also into like just weird sci-fi and political intrigue comics, and it's just like, well, okay. <laughs> I guess all indies uh indies become a shitty copy of the image eventually. That's true. Yeah, they can't even yeah, I like... have a top cow bundle, but it's mostly of uh you know, I love uh <laughs> I love um, I'm a sucker for a humble bundle. Uh so I looked through some of that and it's mostly of the sort of Michael Turner aping stuff and man, it's not very good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but this thing that's not very good. So Freshman was, a, <laughs> I guess, a 2006 thing, which is later than I had thought it would be. Um, Seth Green co-creating with this Hugh Sterbikoff person. So Cody, Cody found all this out for us a minute ago in case that got cut. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what the fuck we're doing at this point. <laughs> I it just it's yeah. smacks of mediocre. Like you guys think if I like well, lick the outlet, it'll work better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what part will work better? Uh, I don't, you? Any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be a hey, way. Couldn't hurt. Jump start me like a like in crank. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you're already powers. discussing more interesting premises than the than the the stuff that happens in this thing. That's the <laughs> other thing too. They it, it feels like an X Men thing where it wants you to have certain main characters, but then it kind of keeps piling on all these other people that you're supposed to be like keeping track of too. Yeah, like, like uh... well, let's real quickly get the premise out there since we haven't even discussed what it's about. Yeah, as of yet. High school superheroes. Uh, college. College, I think. Oh, college. Yeah, it's it's, it's people who are college freshmen who are dorm overflows because I guess the 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 university runs out of space for them mm-hmm. uh, that are rooming together in a disused science building uh, where there is this experiment, maybe accident. I didn't actually reread all of this one because. <laughs> Yeah, I, I read like two issues of it, and I was like, "This is slow going." Guess uh, and I had to pass them on. Guess what? Um, uh, guess what? Premise would never happen in a university setting because of you know liability reasons. <laughs> yeah, fourteen <Yep>. students <laughs> from the freshman class, oh, oh, like overflowed from their dorms, are put in a different, uh, in a different like building where they are all imbued with miraculous superpowers by the explosion of a mysterious device called the Axe-Cell-Erator. Yep. I think I have one of those as my garbage disposal, like an exincorator. <laughs> Phineas and Ferb put more like time and effort into their like temporary doomsday devices. <laughs> the, the, there's one person in the group that doesn't get superpowers and that is the uh, sort of the main perspective character mm-hmm. who insists that people call him Norin if I recall after the Silver Surfer God, he's like a big comic nerd guy and is the one who would have wanted to have superpowers and uh, this book is about Seth Green yeah, he's de- he's the character that Seth Green would be playing. Like, it's very clear that this is intended to be a media property in which Seth would get another role for himself, playing ten years younger than he. The is. original the original treatment for this entire comic book is him like, all right, so there's this guy, right? Okay, and he's he's been in so many of these like amazing groundbreaking projects, but he's never been the leading man, and that's just slowly getting to him, and it's breaking him down. And even though he has his own successful TV show, he just he wants to be in the limelight a little bit. And they're like, Seth, 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 are you okay? I mean, the thing is, I do think he would have. I wonder if why he didn't pitch himself as an adult. <laughs> well, because so, because he was for a long time stuck in that I'm playing 
much younger than I am. And I always assumed that was just because he was youthful looking and short. Uh, and I thought he was <laughs> Did just you guys sort of Google around the, the freshman stuff at all? Uh, no. <laughs> he, uh, he, in 2008, he was attached to direct a, uh, a film version of this. And, I was certain uh, that was there. I didn't know. I was, it, I, I was it. trying to dig through the things and see where it fell apart at, uh, but uh, I didn't. It fell I apart didn't at somebody that. not giving a shit about superhero movies in 2008. Yeah, well, I didn't get that far in the digging, so. Well, 2008, we're talking already, is right around the time. By that point, you know, we've hit the Dark Knight or Batman Begins. I think yeah. that Sky but, High Disney movie came out in 2005 because, like, my family loves that movie. And I wonder if it was one of those, like, oh, my God, like, are we about to saturate the market? Because if they're college age, they're just, like, slightly older. But the X-Men trilogy has already been, like, made by that point in time. It was the decline from that first cycle where Spider-Man and X-Men 2 were the, the highlights. And then yeah. they had disappointing sequels. And although Batman Begins would have been out, it, nobody really cared about Batman Begins. Correct, yeah daredevil first, like most people are looking at comic book movies as like flops i feel like by that point well first not really. iron man comes out in 2008 there you go so yeah the real boom boom hadn't hit yet for it yeah but that the, that I, sam raimi spider-man trilogy like saved marvel studios i think for a while or at least like the sony. first one sony ah yeah <laughs> stan lee hucking all those rights out left and right yeah. That all happened when they were bankrupt in the <laughs> 90s, actually. Like, because they're, uh, you know, the, obviously X-Men and, and Spider-Man were popular as comic books. And so uh, Mar Marvel sort of wisely held on to the Avengers stuff, mm. you know, sort of thinking that, well, if nothing else, we can make, you know, movies out of the Avengers stuff or media properties out of the Avengers stuff. Um, but in order to get out of bankruptcy, they had to sell something, uh, that wasn't nailed down. And the things that weren't nailed down were Spider-Man and X-Men because at that time, Bendis's new Avengers hadn't happened yet. So <laughs> those guys, those guys were effectively separate universes for all intents and purposes. I mean, right. they crossed over and stuff, but, but like if you, you know, the editorial directions and all that stuff were all, you know, disparate. Mm -hmm. So. That's why they were able to unload that stuff. Hopefully, when I got all lectury there for a moment, it didn't clip out. <laughs> no, no, no. We we heard all that. Good. Okay. Well, fine. Your, your connection's much better now. Well, I'm I'm tethered to my phone and not the not my actual internet that I pay money for. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to paying money for internet that doesn't work. Hope you stay. Um. <laughs> so. Uh, the main character is this Norrin Rad guy. He's the most, he's the normal one, and he's the one who wants them all to be superheroes, right? Yeah. He, he gets all of the weird mutant things happening. Yeah. They get, they get pretty stereotypical. I mean, one character has like a, a Wolverine flat top looking thing, and he's got pouches. His whole thing is like an acorn, though. It's like squirrel. He's man. a, he's, he's, he is a squirrel. Yeah. There's like a beaver. A, a human squirrel. Which I'd think Marvel would have something to say about. <laughs> I think I think they weren't worried. <laughs> Squirrel Girl hadn't hit yet. Yeah, I know. I mean, she existed because she was, you know, Great Lakes. 
I mean, but there are a lot of throwaway no characters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. that's like the um, eventual sort of success of Squirrel Girl is like the most unlikeliest of stories. <laughs> like, it, the success of Squirrel Girl makes sense to me in a, the context of how comics are viewed now. Sure. Did Allred because create different the... And interesting. Did like Mike Allred create the Great Lakes Avengers? I don't believe so. Okay, I couldn't. I have no idea who created them, but it was some time Mm -hmm. time ago. Who was it, or John Byrne? I think. Yeah, that would make sense. That actually feels very John Byrne, doesn't it? I wouldn't swear to it, but I think it's John Byrne. I fucking love the Great Lakes Avengers, by the way. Some of these things are so crazy because you're like, you hear some of these new names and like, especially if you're up to date in the comics industry, which has kind of standstill currently, but is about to get back and going, which will be fun and interesting to talk about once that starts up. But like, it's crazy that you look at all these like weird, wild things and you're like, oh, that must be something new. And it's like, oh no, Alpha Flight is like way old. <laughs> like Alpha these- Flight back now? Ooh. Alpha Flight is, yeah, Alpha Flight came back a while ago. There's, like, a bunch of spinoffs, Ooh. or have been spinoffs of that one, too. Like, a ton. John yeah, I had some issues with that answer. when I was a kid. Did not care for Alpha Flight. <laughs> you don't like poutine, Josh? No. Papa <laughs> poutine, Josh? <laughs> I had issues of it when I was a kid, and for some reason, they, like, scared me, like, because of the uniformity of how they looked. That, like, that makes they sense. Just, they were off-putting. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it. Canadian. Sasquatch. They're, they're like, they're almost people, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we have the squirrel guy. We have a... Because that's another... In addition to being like... I, mean, I would describe what this book is trying to do as uh, Animal House with superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but very deliberately that instead of the supremacist <laughs> being allowed to breathe much. If you take away the superhero element of like this like story, Seth Green knows this script, that script, like the back of his hand, he's been in every single one of those type of movies. So I think it is funny that it, there is that like one-to-one of like, I know this, I'm very passionate about nerd things. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, I can make this. Yeah. Well, people still love robot chicken too. Yeah, I like robot chicken quite a lot. Yeah, he has <laughs> he has like you know lots of work that people love. This is just there's a reason Very why cool you body. probably haven't heard of this one. Yeah, it did get a sequel, which I also have because you can get them for like two bucks. <laughs> God, yeah. Um. So yeah. So there's a. Uh, there's an Amish kid who can cause earthquakes with his stomach. There's a drunk guy who can, a nerdy guy who got drunk. They all get powers based on what they were doing when there was the incident. The nerd guy got really drunk so he can like puke on people and make them drunk or something like that. Should have called uh, the Amish guy Quaker. It would have been yeah. missed opportunity there. Agreed. Agreed. I think I, I think I thought about that while I was reading it. I was like, no, this was the wrong call. Um, <laughs> there's a girl that can mind control people or like possess people. There's a Scarlet Witch wannabe uh, for sure. Yeah, based on the costume for sure. Uh, she's the one that, and I, I, I will give this book credit for this. Uh, 
she's the one that the main character has the crush on, but within the confines of both this and its sequel, they don't hook up. She is uninterested in him. Like, very uninterested in him. She finds him kind of creepy. And that continues to hold. Poor Seth If I recall correctly. You you write Uh, what you know. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Except in the second one, he does get a girlfriend. It's just not that girl. And again, I think that's a positive message to send. Like, if you're not, the person you're interested in isn't interested in you, move on with your life. (laughs) Um, Find someone else who will grow disinterested in you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, over time, everyone does. Then you die alone. (laughs) Um, So there's a girl who can make everyone fall in love with her, who's a heavy set girl. So I, I... I don't know. I guess it's supposed to be funny. I couldn't. Like, I don't or recall there being enough wink, about wink. that character to make it interesting. Yeah. Um, there's the power set that I think is most interesting is there's a couple that fights a lot, but when they're together, they have like this concut. They become like super strong or something like that. I don't know. There's a beaver in it. What was what was yeah, the question? I, I clipped out over the question. What are we trying to figure out? <laughs> We're just listing the people, the, the, the powered people in yeah. this. Hey, by the way, uh, I mean, uh, I guess I didn't tell you the context. Uh, I had read Freshman before when it came out and uh, didn't think anything particular of it eventually dropped the book. Um, yeah. But... Um, Which is exactly the reaction I would expect from anyone who reads. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... Uh, I read it. I reread it in in my car last night before I passed it off to Cody, so that he could probably read it in his car. Um, <laughs> and uh, I the beaver thing, like I was I was trying to figure out like where that beaver came from. I was like, where where did this character start? And it's just like, there's no explanation. It just sort of suddenly happens, you know. Well, I think the beaver is just caught up in the... Is that going to be the still the... for the show, Cody? Yeah, it should be, honestly. Hoover Dam is what it says. I think the beaver is the school mascot, and it just happens to be there when there's the accident, so it becomes super intelligent. But, I mean, we go, what, two-thirds of this book until that character showed up. <laughs> you know? It shows up at the when they have the accident in the first oh, issue, did it? I thought. Okay. I think so. Like, at the, like at the very end, yeah, it's like the splash it. tease page is like a... The beaver saying, I think something strange is going on here, gentlemen. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, mean, I don't know it that he feels matters. feels like it was until... two-thirds into the book, but really because of the blocks <laughs> of text. It's, you know, you're not wrong thinking about it because they show up to school and they go to their not-dorm and then they go to this party that's at a frat, but it's really designed to humiliate freshmen. And, and then the accident happens. Like, a fucking... That, it's a little dense. It's denser than you'd expect for a for something for so a top throwaway. cow vehicle. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to do a throwaway thing to make a vehicle for Seth Green, it should really be breezy. Yeah, agree. And I mean, I think that's the kind of thing Mark Millar kind of picked up on when he does his yeah. same sort of books. Yeah, he specializes in making things that are coming soon to a motion picture near you, with all the with all the edgy bits filed off. That are just, yeah, well, I mean, all of his comic stuff, though, is 
easy breezy so that he can like, you know, sort of nail down those property rights. Yeah. He always has a premise that's saleable without the gross shit that he throws on. Like, like when you actually read kick ass, like there's all this gross shit in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, this book has... But you can uh, just take all that off and then you have a movie you can sell. <laughs> well, I mean, this this book has a burping guy and a big dick fella and, uh, you know... Yeah. And a beaver. So, and a beaver. Yeah. But I mean, mean, like, I was thinking specifically of the scene in Kick-Ass 2 where the fucking villain rapes it. They, uh, so, fucking have you seen friend. the Kick-Ass 2 movie? Yeah, they kind of cut away from it. If they, I recall, no, they they don't. They like they basically like mock Mark Miller basically because they they get close to every single one of those scenes and every single time they they stop doing it and they point out how fucked up it would be if that actually happened. Like he he tries to like do that. He tries to rape the girl, but then he can't get That's it right. up in the movie, and they make fun of him, so nothing That's happens. Right. And they don't even like retaliate by then killing her or anything like that it's just like for the sake of like oh hey remember this was in that book they also like in that one they cut the head off the dog and they cut the head off the guy and they swap the heads between the two and one of the characters suggests that to like the main villain like hey do you want me to do this and they're like no what the fuck like oh my god <laughs> i hadn't picked up on all of that and uh i just watched it once at a like shitty dollar Dollar Theater across from you. There's from, uh, those film school. It's those specific two scenes because I remember when I was reading Kick Ass Two, I hit both of those points and it was like stomach churning. It was literally like, oh god, this isn't like intense or dramatic or anything. It's just like gratuitous, like for no reason. The thing that the thing that really it might be the scene that turned me off the most to Mark Millar was in the first one, but at the because you know in the movie. Like he's they're financing like Big Daddy is financing his thing with him and Hit Girl, which gross names, but whatever. I have to say these things because somebody made them. Um, he's just financing them somehow. I guess he's actually a a, a cop done wrong or something. The cage. Yeah, and there's in the comic. There's the scene where they open his like what should be his super trunk of weapons, which in the movie they open it up and it's got weapons in it. And in the comic book, they open it up and it's comic books because he's just a comic book nerd who's been selling comic books to finance his weird dream. And I'm like, it's just another Mark Millar, fuck you to anybody that wants to read his book. Yeah, 100%. When, when like, people... Sorry, I read your fucking comic, guy. I won't, <laughs> I won't make the same mistake. I uh, like the idea of a superhero like movie set in a real life society where you have like the same risks and like dangers of like our real life. No, obviously nobody has superpowers. That's usually yeah. the thing. Or nobody has like magic gimmick mulligan. That's going to make me not dead from this thing the way that you can when you're writing a comic book. I definitely think the, um, the movie super, uh, I just blanked on the director of that, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy. I think does a much better job of that than Kick Ass does by a long shot. Oh God, James Gunn. Yeah, James Gunn. And that's a really hard to watch movie, and it has some of those same like intense type of scenes. But I think the portrayal in Super is a lot more realistic. You know, some people's lives are like really ruined at the end of it, and some people's are fine, and some people like have a happy ending, but it's not exactly yeah. the neat little bow the kick-ass movie you get the girlfriend and everything's fine or the mark millar book where spit in your face and fuck you for reading it yeah 
Yeah, I haven't. That one's been on my watching watch queue for a long time. I haven't gotten around to it. I like it. It's very intense, though. Very yeah, intense. Super, super is in my watch pile too. Um, thinking of things that shouldn't be in our piles. <laughs> Freshman, <laughs> uh, we introduce the characters. It's they fight a bunch of superpowered jocks, and there's a scientist that was responsible for it all. I think it's an evil plan. I don't fucking know. The boring fucking ah. book. I, I I didn't. All I, all I have left to say about it is, in in comparison to the other things, like I think Aura's reaction is like he read a bit of it, didn't care, moved aside. Is sort of what I would say. Like when I say that, I think it's better than the other one. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that indifferent. That there's nothing in there particularly interesting to recommend it. Mm-hmm. Well. So while I was while I was reading this in the car last night, I I was like, okay, there's two ways to approach this book. Either it's, you know, a throwaway media property, like we sort of said, or is this a brilliant deconstruction of the, the superhero genre kind of thing that got overlooked? No. Like and that's well, I know <laughs> that's the that ends up being the answer. But while I was reading this, you know, I was like I was like, okay, well, maybe this is, you know, a Watchmen-esque take on, you know, like these contemporary mores and things like that that we, you know, accept in superhero fiction and uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, But it really doesn't. There's, you know, because like for me, like as I was reading the book, like, like the Green Thumb character came out to be a lot more interesting than the person chosen as the main character i was like man i would want to read this guy's book (laughs) you know like he's got plants screaming at him all the time like that's a (laughs) yeah that was another character that that is a neurosis i would love to read a premise about you know (laughs) like um, there's a lot of characters in this book and some of them there are interesting ideas at the heart of the character like so that's why that's (laughs) like i said why i sort of was approaching it like, okay, well, maybe this was just something that was overlooked in its era, and it's just, it's not, but it could have been, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I will say, to some extent, the Green Thumb thing is part of the problem of it, too, because they want to portray these characters as superheroes. Like, that's the arc of the book, is that they gradually move towards heroic action. Superpowers, so much as, like, weird gimmicky tricks that you'd think up if you were trying to think of weird things that people could do. 100%. He was high. He got high and he's like, you know, it'd be cool, man. Talking to plants. Yeah. And it's once you hit like a certain point, unless you're doing something really like creative or really examining the genre and doing something like Black Hammer, where every character is a representation of like a specific genre or a specific thing, you're like, okay, well, I don't want a Superman character because being strong is boring. It's already been done. So I want a character who burps, except that's already been done by Mystery Men as well. Like, if you try to stray too hard into the, like, uh, unique superpower or, like, quirky type thing, you end up running into other properties that have also done that better. Well, but I mean, like, there's a whole, like... uh, Sorry to interrupt, Josh. Uh, There's a whole, like morality question you could do with puppeteers powers like that it sort of glosses towards but then runs away from as quickly as it came to it you know <laughs> like yeah 
and that's and that's the thing. It could lean into that sort of mystery men like, here's a bunch of misfits with weird powers thing, but it doesn't. And, well, and it does have people within that. the group that have powers that are like like Gora was just saying, the puppeteer power, which is really powerful and a very standard superhero power. Uh, funny but, you mentioned yeah. the mystery men connection. Uh, because the article that I, I was reading that uh, Cody uh, it. <laughs> what's that? Cody mentioned it. I just circled back. Oh, did you read the? Oh, okay. Uh, well, but the article that uh, that was talking about him wanting to direct the freshman film mm-hmm. is is all about how he doesn't want it to be like Mystery Men. <laughs> like the the headline is Seth Green talks freshman and why it won't be Mystery Men. I think Mystery Men had a bad rep at some point because of oh that. man, it's a great. I always movie. liked Mystery those, Men. Those myself. people are fucking wrong and stupid. It wasn't yeah. a good representation of Bob Burden's comics, but it's a fine film. And, you know, yeah, I was just about to say it's not the Flaming Carrot, but the Flaming Carrot is awesome, minus some like questionable language things that changed over time but that's okay because lots of people and tv shows that we used to love say incredibly like problematic things in today's society but uh, we have a whole show about that <laughs> yeah right exactly yeah <laughs> flaming carrot is awesome not mystery men however on the subject of him making a big deal that it's that it's not mystery men i think this next thing is hilarious i read uh in the acknowledgments page there's uh, a, a whole can I, can I pause for one second cody <laughs> Yeah. Job reading the acknowledgments page. <laughs> star. I always wow. do that, man. If I watch an no, animated that's, movie. That's a good habit to be into. I didn't do it with this book because I was just so mad that I was reading it at all. I didn't uh, even read but... the Cryptozoic Man introduction because I wanted to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the I watched them do that comic book man episode. So I'm gonna talk almost more about that when we get to that one specifically yeah. but yeah, fuck all that shit right in its ass <laughs> oh but for like for yeah. animated movies it's a practice <laughs> i started doing more so than other movies i don't know why it's not like they work any less hard but any animated movie i'm like well if this is the industry i want to largely be a part of eventually i always feel like compelled to sit and and watch all of those credits go and it's not like all of those names are going to stick with you but you're like i can sit here for for oh. five minutes I, I always stay for the credits or I will let you know that that's the fact from having gone to movies with me because it's respectful. Yeah. I know people that work in film and it's hard work. It's harder work than people think it is. And you can fucking sit there for five minutes and, and see some names fly past you. So make fun of the goofy ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the best that, yeah. Or I see confirmation from Laura too. So Seth Green clearly didn't want it to be mystery men. But this, the other guy who did like the co-writing or what I imagine is most of the heavy lifting on this project, Hugh yeah. has this, this big acknowledgement page. But I, I just want to read this first paragraph because A, it's a run-on paragraph. But B, <laughs> there's so many goddamn name drops. It's hilarious. Like somebody had exact – like they knew this was going to be a, a TV show or a movie first before they were like, well, let's make the comic book. Okay. Uh, a lot of my friends rallied to help me on this project. Besides my best friends, there was D- uh, Dan Milano and Matthew Huffman who helped us create the characters. Matt Senrich told Top Cow to call me for some good comic ideas. On a separate occasion, Freddie Prince, yes, that Freddie Prince, and Conrad Jackson fearlessly did the same thing. 
Matt also asked Cartoon wait, Network wait, wait. to air our ads. Freddie Freddie Prince or Freddie Prince Jr. because his dad was also an actor. Freddie Prince. It doesn't say Jr. So I'm imagining we're not we're not talking Fred Rogers. I think we're talking Fred Rogers' dad. Hmm. Not Fred. What's is what's Fred's last name? Is it Rogers? In Scooby Doo. Uh, from Scooby Doo. Uh, no, Shaggy's. Is it Shaggy's last name is Rogers? Oh shit! That might be right. I can't remember what Fred's last name is. That's been a nerd trivia. This is why I didn't place in that nerd trivia thing that uh, that I did or <laughs> I posted on on uh, on our trivia board. Oh, oh I fucking forgot to go too. <laughs> I got fifth. Oh, like half the questions were not half, but a fifth of them were about the the chain that's sponsoring it and when it opened <laughs> and shit. And I was like, I don't oh. fucking know. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but but anyway, I, fuck, uh, I fucked up a thing about fables in the last question. Otherwise, I would have placed. Bill Willingham. Uh, no, it was who dies in the whose death are they investigating in the first arc? Oh, uh, um, of which show? Give me. Uh, the, the you guys can fables. continue. Give me. Give me a second. I'm gonna. Okay. Well, I'll I'll just keep reading the rest of this thing. Uh, Matt also asked Cartoon Network to air our ads during Robot Chicken, and he and Jeff John sat down with me to offer advice about the comic industry. Jeff, Sarah Michelle Geller, Mila Kunis, and Joss Whedon all lent their names to proudly indifferent cover quotes. Mila even offered her likeness as the puppeteer and pimped us to Stuff Magazine. Their words, uh, pimped us to Stuff Magazine. Cat well, then you're going to get that all-important British pervert readership. Cat <laughs> from DJ Universal Comics in Studio City picked me up Look, every they time. They were muscled out by Maxim in America. Let's not pretend otherwise. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <Go laughs> no, I'm still trying. No, uh, I'm still trying to figure out who they were investing, whose murder it was. <laughs> well, that's that's all the big name drops. The rest of it is like is less. Uh, name grabby and like oh all these people like loved working on this idea or it was a multiple choice i'm trying to remember all the choices so i could give you that you know i keep coming back to like was it the original mayor and that's why snow white became mayor like i'm i'm kind of like it's uh it's rose red oh that's what i knew it was somebody who didn't stay dead Spoiler because alert for a book that we're not reading for this show. She does, I think, stay dead. She just appears in a lot of flashback stuff, which is what confused me. No, because she's at the farm, isn't she? I thought she was in flashback stuff more than she was at. Did she come back to life? Oh, that fucking book. Is <laughs> even remembering. Because it's the first arc, is there, it's Bluebeard that did it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone that's right, everyone thinks it's Bluebeard, but then it, I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, sorry, talking about a better comic again. Thanks yeah, for reading Ro- that, Cody. Uh, Rose Red Rose a lot Red of name is, dropping. Rose Red goes to the freaks uh goes with the freaks to the farm. Okay. You feel proud? Me? Yeah, you you got it. I didn't I didn't know the answer. Oh <laughs> so. well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew I knew the character didn't stay dead. That's what I remembered about that arc. <laughs> so, yeah. but that's what tripped me up. I, re- I remembered. I guess I remembered that she hadn't died. I was like, I d- can't be that. 
Hey, well, you're having a hard There's time remembering. Snow and boy, boy Blue and one other one. And I was like, well, I know Snow didn't die, and I know Boy Blue dies later in the series because he come, he, he's revived. So it has to be yeah. whatever the other one was. And I was wrong. Keep that shit off of our screen, Cody. <laughs> Not interested. Yeah, you're really good you at it. You want to say the Scarlet Witch character looks nothing like Mila Kunis? Yeah, no, I don't that think that would be my last fucking word on this this freshman book. <laughs> I don't think that went through at all. Nope. All right, now we'll we'll move on to something that I think will have a, a will keep us a little more on topic, I think, because I'm infuriated with this fucking book with how shitty it is. I'm I'm infuriated by the uh by the things surrounding this book. So by our p- angers combined, we can, you know, maybe create a... Here, you know, or explain the context, friend. Here, here do, you, do you want me to read... I'll just read the uh, blurb on the back of the book. How about that? All right, go ahead. Because Cryptozoic Man has a very, very specific reason for existing. Um, <clears throat> Cryptozoic Man. From the minds of Brian Johnson and Walter Flanagan, stars of AMC's hit television show, Comic Book Men. (laughs) Shortly after Alan Ostman's daughter goes missing on a family camping trip, he finds himself living life on the fringes. After a particularly rough night, an industrialist interested in Alan's research Focusing on the alternative science bails him out of jail and offers Alan a job. Think your boss is bad? At least they are probably not a leather pig mask wearing interdimensional miscreant bent on having a race of malignant beasts exterminate the world's best known cryptids and destroy the entire universe in the process. Does humanity have a fourth issue spoiler? <laughs> I would like to point out that last sentence is technically a fourth issue spoiler on the back cover because you don't really find out for sure that the boss is the pig mask guy until the, the very end. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to ask you guys, does that description sound like the comic book that you read? No. I, no, no, I don't I, know that I've ever read a description as that does as poor of a job of conveying it's it's generally like it's the events that happen in there vaguely in a different order but like the hows and whys and like what the act of reading it feels like i cannot think of anything that could convey it less than that blurb so the the creation amalgamation of this comic is 100 percent is one of those things where you have a group of people who are all giving their ideas on creating a character like live. It's one of those like, Oh, I have drawing skills. Like that's pretty impressive. You tell me a thing to add to this drawing and you tell me a thing. So on the comic book men TV show, one of the, the artist, uh, Walt, Walter Flanagan is kind of showing that he can draw and they draw this scary pig mask man for something on the show. And then they talk about that. And then the amalgamation character is then the cryptozoic man where they're like, oh, well, what if he's got like a a mouth that's an arm and all the other stuff. And then once they have two sick deviant art looking creations, they created the rest of the idea of the comic book around, which when you read it, you create the rest of an idea around it, though. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
And that's I how we might have just printed a rough draft. When you look through it, you can 100% tell because there's some pages that look like actual comic book pages because there's like a sort of flow to it. And there's other times where it's just like like seven panels of bloodbath and carnage happening. And you can tell that's what they wanted to make. And then they have some other person who comes in and pencils in like two or three pages in between to make it technically a story what you could call a story there's like a weird it shifts from like a pretty standard style to a kind of cg heavy style yeah the the all of the walt flanagan art is the stuff that looks like it should be a black light poster (laughs) um yeah and not like a good one either like a good one is like one that has the monster trucks with like the big heads and the bulging eyes Looks like it should be the cover to like a not very good metal album. It's like what Crossed is like when you read that. It's eh, Crossed is marginally better. <laughs> the, the the seams show less, mm-hmm. and they have real writers. Yeah, <laughs> they don't always do a good job, but they have real writers. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this... I walk. I walk through the plot which is vaguely similar to the back but understand that it presents this plot completely out of order let me and you have to uh, infer a lot of it can i yeah. real quickly i want to touch on cody's stuff for a second though oh, okay um so for for a while there you know like when reality shows were starting to become a thing like every workplace like joked like oh you know it would be a great reality show like like our workplace like we have drama and we have funny things that happen here, like uh-huh. likable characters, whatever. Um, and so I was working at a comic shop at the time and, um, and, you know, we sort of joked like, Oh, it'd be fun to have a, like a, you know, like a, a pawn star sort of situation set up here kind of thing. Um, and then they made it. You were and it wrong. Was comic book men. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like, Oh no, this is God awful. Like, this is terrible. Um, and yeah. I say that as somebody who's a fan of Kevin Smith. Like, I love yeah, Kevin, yeah. like the Kevin Smith averse. Like, I know his star has fell as far as some nerds are concerned, but like, like, uh, you know, me and Josh <laughs> are both in agreement. I think that, like, no, like, you know, the stuff that's, you know, that that is out there is great, and the stuff that he makes is a little less great, but still fine. You know, <laughs> like, I think I think his best movie was Red State. To be sure. honest. Yeah. Oh God. Like me and you, like when we watched that, like if I recall, we couldn't like look each other in the eye afterwards. We we're just like, well, that was um a, an interesting film. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's so it's so effective. Particularly living where we are, I think it helped. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we uh, should we should we should mention because we haven't made it explicit. Uh, uh, comic book. Heroes is that the name of the show? Comic Book Men Men. Uh, is a reality show about Kevin Smith's comic book store, Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey. If I'm recalling correctly, correct. Kevin Smith. These are people that. Oh, sorry. These are his old Jersey friends. Like you know, like Walt Flanagan and like like if you if you read and follow Kevin Smith stuff, you know who Walt Flanagan is. Without ever having fucking seen Walt Flanagan, yeah, like, identified as Walt Flanagan's dog. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah, they're they're all in like the background of like the clerks movies and clerks sequels and all sorts of stuff. They're they're multiple people. Yeah, don't they play Steve Dave and uh the other one? Yeah. So yeah, so you're familiar with with them through his work. And this is a reality show about them running the the day-to-day operations of his comic book store. I've never watched it because I don't I assume it's just any kind of retail it's well it's it's pawn stars yeah i mean it's it's got the like the exact that's same terrible. flow where like somebody brings in something that's valuable and like then one of the characters is like do you know what you have here well let me tell you all about it or let me go ahead Boring. and an expert no kind thanks. of thing you know like <laughs> yeah that sort of stuff. um no then, fucking thanks yeah and and then there's a negotiation where they're like Oh well, you told me it's worth five thousand dollars, so I want five thousand dollars for it. And then they're like, "No, that's what it's worth. That's not what I can give you for it, you know, because we have to make money too." Um, and what it has done for us people who work at comic stores is, first of all, it it created this mythology around this idea of working in a comic store is a lot of like jacking around and like you know that sort of stuff because that's <laughs> some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes in the show is they also come up with these contrived sort of storylines where like, you know, um, and so uh, Cody can attest to this as well. Like uh, working at a comic book store is m- a lot of like trying to figure out the alphabet and heavy lifting. Those yes. are the two things that you do working at a comic book store all the time. These <laughs> like, these people are the like are at at the best. They're like the clerks. There is no there is one hundred percent. Unfortunately, a gotta be a staff of like at least two to three other people that are are doing the real like work and exactly that like legitimate heavy lifting for this poor store. While these other like four or five people get to have cameras and interview Stanley and do all this cool shit and get tattoos based on drawings they did of each other. Like that type of stuff. Meet no, Adam I, West. Yeah. Now I won't say there isn't some spring around. Because there is, is some screwing around. But it's, it is definitely not, you know. It's uh, screwing around this- like snapping a rubber band at your friend or showing them the like really disgusting like titty comics and like shoving it in their face or something like that. Yep. That's like what happens at a comic book store. That's or sexually harassing somebody. <laughs> Stop it. That, that was, that was alleged. Um, so <laughs> we're products of Audience our industry. Didn't sexually harass anybody. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it, this, 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 uh, this particular television show has done us a disservice in that way. And the other way it's done us a disservice is uh, once again, like in the nineties, it convinced everybody that um, they're, you know, their comics that have been sitting in their trunk for 25 years are like gold. And, you know, like, uh, you know, 99% of the stuff that comes into the store is bulk, <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. yep, you, you collected spawn in the nineties too. Here is your, here is your fifteen dollars for you know this run of one hundred comics kind of thing. So, yeah, and, almost every comic is worth nothing shortly after it comes out. Yeah, it, I mean, there it's like milk; it has an expiration date. You know, that's that's why when people are like, "Oh, comic books, it's it's an investment like the stock market." Most stocks are don't lose like ninety percent of their value a week after they're printed. 
It's more you don't like have to handle stocks. Well, it's more like <laughs> investing in cars. Like, yeah. are you going to invest in, you know, like buy six copies of a Ford Escort so that like 20 years from now you can resell your Ford Escort for like, you know, half of what you paid for it or a third of what you paid for it? Or you can resell if in 20 years you can resell a Ford Escort for half of what you paid for it. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, if, you, if you just, no, if you just sit on it and it's still, you know, like minty fresh or whatever. It'll uh, still have lost almost all of its value. Yeah, well, it's value so quick. But, but the point that I'm making is like, there are cars that people emotionally care about. And then there are cars that people emotionally don't care about, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, like sports cars or like old muscle cars, people will pay a lot of money for. That would be Nothing an investment. Else. And there are comics that, that cater to that investment, you know. Right. Uh, but there are also comics that are mostly the Ford Escorts of the world, you know. And in those, so, right, in those situations, it's comics, I guess, are very similar to a car because you can not know a lot about comics and still be like, oh, shit, you know, Secret Wars, like, I recognize that. Or like a, a, the Hulk 186 or something along those lines. You know, you're like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, I know what that is. Same with a car. I could probably Cody point out a Hulk Ferrari. Cody one there, Josh. Okay. If you're confused as to what he, what he was talking about. Well, I was, I was, I was waiting for one of you fucking. Ask for a clarification. Yeah, I was waiting for one of you nerds to correct me. Especially <laughs> when we're talking about comic book men. That's the thing that they do is they're like, oh, I can tell you what issue everything happened in or whatever. Do I don't know from valuable comics issues. I don't, <laughs> I don't fucking care about collector value. I only, Josh, I Josh, only started bagging Josh. and boarding my comics because my old, ironically enough, my old clerk's comic books were actually falling apart. So I was like, <laughs> I guess I should bag and board comics. Yes. Since I've had them since when they first came out. <laughs> but yeah, Hulk 181 like, is the first appearance of Wolverine, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I interrupted your point, first Cody. I apologize. Of Wolverine's peen. <laughs> no, that's Batman Damned One. <laughs> but it, it, see, even even right there, that would be like that's the car equivalent to being like, I probably I know the name Maserati. I've never seen one in real life, but like I know that's a fancy famous car, or like, uh, you know, a Mustang convertible, it, like from the '60s. I can tell, like, oh, I recognize those like names, logos, and how old in general it looks. But I have no idea the actual value of it. It's the same people with just, like comics, kind of. People just recognize Maserati because it sounds like it should be in a rap song. <laughs> well, people see a, a Spider-Man comic and they're like, "Oh, it's got the black suit Spider-Man on it. Like that's worth money, right?" And you're like, technically, like two dollars more. Congratulations. You have a Most, sensational uh, Spider-Man from <laughs> the '98. Okay, so we've we've complained about your guys' work for a while. <laughs> we really got the feeling Laura really wanted to do. Let's complain about this I, comic book. I instead. wanted to complain specifically about the television show Comic Book Men ruining my life for a, for a for a stretch of about four or five years. <gasps> it's Biscuit! I know Biscuity. Biscuit back there. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that guy. He. So, <laughs> oh, there's his ass. ass. <laughs> He's sound engineering for us. Um, <laughs> so so I was watching an episode of Game Grumps the other day, and uh, one of the guys from Game Grumps was saying that like get his cat to eat he has to like rub its ass 
like whenever he eats in the morning, it wants him to come over and pet him on his ass before it eats. And I was like, that's fucking weird. I don't so think PETA would went, approve. And so after I watched it, I decided to go and nap for a little while. And I lied down and immediately Biscuit jumped on me and pointed his ass at me. And I was like, buddy, we don't have that kind of relationship. <laughs> I, have, I have very clear boundaries in my relationship with you. And, uh, and ass play is off the table. Josh heard so it is. Josh it's like heard I a... saw that thing on TV. <laughs> <laughs> he heard the crystal clear voice of Biscuit in his head that was like, "Well, if you saw your Game Grumps friends fingering blasting your cats, would you do it too?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so I uh, I have wanted to complain very publicly about comic book men for a very long time. So this was my opportunity as I saw it. Um, but I've... it's. I have no feelings on it, not having seen it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's over. I think it's canceled. I don't think they make new episodes. It had yeah, like four or five seasons. How uh, can and... have more than one season? It just sounds so boring. And it makes more sense when you talk about it being that Pawn Star auction-y. But still. They have guests so every single weak. episode. That's the other. Jason Mewes stops by. Oh, and like Kevin Smith. Is Jason Mewes a guest on the Kevin Smith show? Is that what we're going with? Yeah. He, like, Kevin Smith is never there for the stuff that they're recording, like the reality style stuff. But there's the loose thing that ties every episode together is like all of them do a podcast talking about it because that's Kevin yeah. Smith's thing also. So he they like tell him about how their day went. But yeah, it's like Kevin Smith definitely sets up like oh, you're going to talk to Stan Lee today. You get to talk to, you know, Burt Nash today. You get to talk to whoever. What the hell's Josh doing? A biscuit was going to try and bite me. Oh. He's fighting for he's, his life. He's scared of these pillows. So when he's oh, going to do that, fun. I start maneuvering the pillows at him, and he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't oh, know why no. he's scared of them. He likes them when they're. He likes them when I'm not holding them, but when I'm holding them, they're terrifying. Anyway, when we're not talking about my weird fucking cat, so let's talk okay. about this. Let's talk about this book, the actual thing that we. No, read. I want to bitch a little bit more about comic book. Ma- no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's just get you a. You know what? We'll do a separate episode by episode for that. With you, okay. You can do that for us on the next. No, I mean, I, I, I said my piece. I just, it was, it's a frustrating show because it ruined my day. <laughs> no, you are doing more on it, you son of a bitch. After your joke about how you're not. Um, I learned from my wife how to, how to win an argument that way. <laughs> oh my god, the worst fucking thing. Um, so I'm gonna walk us through the plot of the book in slightly more detail than the back, but I want do to make a point. To? I want to make the point that none of this is linearly done and that yeah, you have to piece together a lot of it because this shit is so esoteric that it makes fucking Grant Morrison look boring. Um, I, I, I'd get a laugh out of aura for that one. No, uh, I, I did. I, 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 I snickered. You just couldn't hear me. Cause I was, I was also like, I realized, um, so there's a tell or there's a comic book called, um, Oh God! What's it called? Uh, that image comic, Cody, uh, about the uh, about uh, Lewis and Clark, that have all of those. Um, oh shit! What's that one? Manifest Destiny. That's it. Uh. When I look at the Cryptozoic Man cover, I'm expecting Manifest Destiny, <laughs> right? 
So this is my first impression of this book, uh, it, which uh, Manifest Destiny is a is a very B plus A minus comic. It's 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 a good, it's a great good premise, solid. It just read. It's a great premise that never really comes together in my experience from the first. I think I read That's the first of it. Kind of that, yeah. Um, so I'm expecting an A minus B plus sort of read out of this thing uh, when I approach it. <laughs> There's mistake one. Ugh. So um, go ahead, Josh. I'm, I, I'm there with you. Like I know Cody. Cody recommended this one and had said that it was a turd. Um, I don't know. I have enough lingering Kevin Smith fanboyism in me that I, you know, I was like, well, it's by Kevin Smith oriented people. Like maybe it's okay. <laughs> and maybe it won't be the worst fucking thing. I was wrong. It's the worst fucking thing. Um, so it's about this guy who I guess he does weird research, but it's never fucking really mentioned or demonstrated in any way. Uh, he's out on a camping trip with his uh, daughter and she goes missing. Uh, and then everybody thinks that he killed her and then his wife kills herself. Although it makes clear later in there that she didn't think that he had killed the daughter. So I guess the wife just kind of got sick of it. I don't know. He's a very, she's such a non factor in all of this, which is really weird and makes me wonder if any of them were going through a divorce at the time. Um, that anyway. makes sense. Because she just doesn't matter to the fucking plot at all. Um, she matters to the plot in like a video game type way. Like if you've played Fallout, she's like the, she's that, she's the Gatsby green light is what she is. Like she's, she's more of a rat. Because she doesn't appear. Yeah, she does. She's not appearing in this movie. Yeah, she does. She totally <laughs> does. She's the, she's the little bl- girl with the bloody eyes that shows up every now and then. No, that's the daughter. I'm talking about the wife. Oh, I'm totally bad. You are correct. The wife is not appearing in this movie. Yes, but it very explicitly calls out at one point that like she didn't kill herself because she thought that he was because the the main character is like, well, she was the only one who still believed in me, but she's killed herself. It's because it's because drawing a scene that actually would have characters like either describing things or, you know, setting actual mood or emotion wouldn't be nearly as fun as drawing a bunch of monsters playing chess in space or watching a bunch of demons rip people apart. But you, you would think that, like, he'd be going to rescue his wife and daughter in this weird other world or something. But, but it doesn't. She's just written off off. She's fringed without ever appearing. And that's, my, again, my theory is somebody was going through a messy divorce. Um, so guy loses his family. Uh, he's recruited shortly after, after he's bailed out of a drunk tank to be a science attache to this weird old man who thinks that the world's cryptids control portals to another world or to other dimensions. Uh, and the cryptids are the Loch Ness monster, uh, Mothman, the, uh, Bigfoot, Jersey Bigfoot, Devil. Big, well, I'm going to get to them. <laughs> I'm doing them last for a reason. Jersey Devil, I think, is one of them. Yeah. Um, Chupacabra. Chupacabra! Oh, my God, it's Chupacabra! Um, and there is both the uh, Sasquatch and the Yeti, and you can't have both. <laughs> Let me tell this to the writers. You don't do yet. You can't do Getty and Sasquatch. They're yeah. the same fucking thing. 
do like fucking do Wendigo instead of Yeti, because then it's it's different enough, and you know it's Wendigo! or I don't know a skunk ape instead of a Sasquatch. Like do fucking something different, buddy. There, anyway. there are collectively less than five pages in this entire comic book that I I went through and I looked that don't have a monster or a demon or like carnage of some type happening. And technically really? only one of those pages is just like normal people. And the other one is scientists and some people have floating balloon heads, but I was like, okay, technically there's no fangs or like clear monsters in, in these parts. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just, so it's so weird and meandering and it sets these things up and then it doesn't do anything to them. Okay, so he's collecting all the cryptids, right? To try and extract their essence. Uh-huh. And I think he collects them all, though you only see him get the Jersey Devil. Uh, and when he collects the essence that creates the gateway to this monster world, because I guess all the cryptids had a gateway to the monster world and all these monsters can come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, he's kidnapped by gray aliens. Yep, the grays play a And part transformed of it. into a fucking terrible drawing of a guy with a bunch of weird cryptid bits glued to him. The gray aliens. Mm-hmm. Who are maybe angels. Um, so then he has to fight this pig mask guy. Uh, but he finds out from the pig mask guy that he knows where his daughter is. So they go into another, some sort of weird other world where they find his daughter playing chess with monsters. And then his daughter is a gray hybrid now. And the monsters are, find out a lot of exhibitions. The monsters from Monster World killed God? They keep saying that happened. They don't show it. The, um, uh, the script writing process definitely involved several water pipes. I think I was I think, just gonna say Josh just did a random plot generator. Like that's all <laughs> is he think, you know, he wrote some stuff and then he put it into Google Translate and then like had Google Translate spit it back out, you know? I think what's happening is this. I think the gray aliens are like sort of Anunnaki conspiracy, like religion is referring to alien shit. Right? And the the, the sure. demon guys, the alternate monster world dimension guys, uh, kill all the gray aliens. But the gray aliens have created these hybrids uh, in Cryptozoic Man and his daughter to try and preserve the world. And they preserve this one fragment of it. And the little girl is able to go into that and live out a life in a normal world. And I guess Cryptozoic Man has to stay behind and fight to, to save her. Well, it was a weird, like, it, it had the, the appearance it. at the end that it was all a dream? I, no, I think what happened is she goes into the shard. That is, the real world is contained in that shard. Yeah, He can't go in because, and it, they don't make it very explicit, but I think the idea is that they're, they're talking about, well, what if they destroy it? <sighs> the end question mark? Yeah. yeah. Little girl goes into the crystal. He is standing over pig person's body, but there's a bunch of more of the like monster demons around him. And it just says, yeah, the monster world people are still in the old world. So he has to be some sort of, ugh. Yeah. some sort of like eternal self-sacrifice. I'm, I'm giving of myself to say fucking stupid bullshit. The, <laughs> after the last issue, there's a full 
spread page that has the main character at the bottom and then a bunch of panels. This is the thing that was penciled on comic book men. Like this is exactly okay. how this, this broke down is they had either him. I think they had him first and then they separated these top quadrants out to draw these other characters that they thought were cool and were like, how can I stitch this together? And the character looks okay in like an action pose or a tattoo. That's the first thing I want to talk about is the Cryptozoic Man character. Like he looks okay in an action pose or a tattoo type thing or like a, like a pinup type drawing. When you try and draw that character like walking around, like interacting with people, sitting down for tea with his daughter, uh, it looks fucking stupid. It is the stupidest looking fucking character design. I don't know why you would think that this is a character that you could use in that way. It should have more like thing like properties. It's, it's cool that all that stuff jumps out of it out of like him, but that's cool for like a cover or like fight scenes. He, they should like grow and shrink. Cause then that's even more cool stuff that you can do, but you can keep it normal. Yeah. Even like venom, like when Eddie Brock is walking around, sometimes they do really interesting, like half face things where it's like half and half. And I mean, his is already kind of there. So I guess that that's where they're like, oh, well, he still has human bits on him. Yeah. He should, he sh- you're, de- you're, de- you're dead right there. He-, he should have a resting form where like, it's just not as pronounced and like the snake arm becomes like an arm with scales on it. Or like, even they get, Spawn they're trying does to make that. it that he's been changed, but you can still signify that without having this thing that looks childishly glued together. Mm-hmm. That's it's so funny because it's it's not it's not childishly made. It's uh it's man child like fantasied out <laughs> like man childishly made. It's it is something you doodle on a trapper keeper and it does not look good. Yeah, it's a it's like a Napoleon Dynamite thing. Um, the pig mask design is creepy. I'll give it that. Like the uh, it's kind of ripping off professor pig from fucking morrison <laughs> there's so okay uh, there's something else aura you probably know about this because i feel like we had a thousand copies of it but uh, a long time or long ish now time ago there was a batman issue that the whole batman issue was all a nightmare that batman was having and he was fighting against a person in like a butcher apron and a pig mask and professor the entire pig. Yeah, well, Professor the entire Pig, issue, yeah. you read it, and then it's it's Robin actually under it. And then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, it was all a dream. But it's like Batman tied up, and it's his internal mental process as he's, like, figuring out how I should break out of the situation. But then it all ends up being a dream. It was like, that kind of reminds me of this, but, like, that one issue, one off of a Batman thing had what they were kind of shooting for in this, but, like, did it so yeah. much more succinctly. That makes sense. Yeah, that's... That's what I'm. Yeah, Professor Pig was was that character, I think. I don't know the specific issue you're talking about, but is a Grant Morrison created character where he had a pig mask and a butcher's apron. Yeah, walk around with like butcher knives and talked weird. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It was one of the Ford Escort issues of Detective. Because it wasn't that long ago. Because we had a bunch of copies Thanks, Josh. of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember, I think Professor Pig was, because that was when Morrison first started doing Batman. So I think that character dates back to pre-New 52. 
I believe, like I said, this was, I want to say probably like six months ago or sometime in the last two yeah. years. I want to say it was one of the oh. ones that Tom King did, but if Aura says detective. Oh, well, maybe it was a Tom King issue then. I can't I mean, remember. People keep using the character because it's a cool design. Like they might have called yeah. back to it. Yeah. There's, there was just one that I, I saw it. I literally, it was one of those things where I saw the cover so many times that one time while I was bagging and boarding, I was just like, okay, I flipped through it. And I was like, oh, interesting. There's no, like, this doesn't connect as part of the overall thing. Like most syndicated comics that are up in the eighties do at that And that level. might be why I thought it was a detective issue. If it is a Tom King issue, because yeah, it doesn't connect. Hmm. Yeah. But I just remember, like, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, shit, it's like the Cryptozoic Man pig thing, except this is probably rooted in something that really happened in Batman, <laughs> like, 40 yes. years ago. It's, it's rooted in something that I think was made for Batman in, like, 2010. Oh, wow, okay. So maybe maybe this came first, then. Who knows? Let's, uh, I have no Cryptoz- idea. What's the copyright on this one? I'll look up Professor Pig. Twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. Yeah. Um, Professor Pig's first appearance is two thousand and seven. Hmm. Batman number six six six. Six six six. Well, Pig Mask in horror has been used like for forever too. I'm pretty sure it's in seven. Yeah. I know it's oh, in it's small not movies. Super original to any of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not even necessarily accusing them of ripping it off. I'm just saying that. It's not. It's an. It's an interesting design, but not an original design. I think that's what we could say about both of these things. Is like the comic book men one is crazy because that's people inside the industry. So inside looking in, couldn't write a good story. Different part of the industry, <laughs> right? And then, uh, and then the the same thing for the other one. I feel like they maybe were thinking a little bit too hard about how this would be able to be made into a movie or a TV show. Yeah. I know exactly where both of these tales went wrong. <laughs> Let's hear it. Right. Editorial. <laughs> it, they, I'm 100% certain neither of these books had any editorial oversight whatsoever because these people are big enough stars that editors would have been like, you know, like, could we do it this way? And then they would have been like, no, I kind of like it better this way. And then the editorial people would have been like, yep, yeah, nope, you're right. <laughs> like, and that would have been the end of the conversation. Yeah, uh, I think that, so, so there was lack a problem. of editorial oversight. And you can tell it clear in the freshman when the inconsistent, because I mentioned blocks of text, but it's inconsistent because several pages go with barely any text at all. And then all of a sudden you'll hit a page that's like, you know, here's 800 fucking words, like crammed into three speech bubbles. An editor would have never let that happen. Like that had any sort of actual sort of like, well, maybe we should do it this way. And it actually meant something. Uh, Top Cow um, is, is sort of famously like sort of very loose editorially. So it sort of makes sense that the freshman would end up in that boat. Um, then Cryptozoic Man, uh, you know, this was probably a big catch for Dynamite, uh, having, you know, the, the comic book men, men doing a comic for them, you know. Kevin Smith uh, had a pre-existing relationship with them, Green Hornet. That is correct, uh, through Green Arrow, or Green Hornet, yeah. So, uh, so undoubtedly he, you know, piggybacked that and 
said, well, look, like my buddies have this pretty good idea. Like if you, you know, if you give them a shot, like see what, see what we can turn this into kind of thing. And Dynamite would have been super excited about having an original property that would likely become a media property under their umbrella. Um, so because while Cryptozoic Man, you know, to a certain extent, you know, obviously did not get turned into a media property, does have all of the all of the necessary preconditions to make that happen, you know, so. I think you're onto something there. And I think that it's uh, emblematic of problems that whenever you bring in, like let's bring in somebody from outside the industry who has fame. You see it in other, like you see it in wrestling when they bring in somebody that's not a wrestler to, to do a wrestling match. And then you're like, why is David Arquette the fucking WCW champion now? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I do, I, I agree with you that that's, that's probably a lot of where this comes from. Like with freshmen, they needed an editor to pace out their writing a bit more. And clearly they didn't because what they clearly wanted there was a media property. I'm not as sure about, I'm sure the people at Dynamite might've thought it could be a media property for Cryptozoic Man. I don't know if so, they weren't communicating with the writing and art team because it is anti-commercial. It's, it's still, it's, it's four issues. It's so fucking, it's too esoteric. Nobody's going to fucking watch a movie of this. I think the the amount of money that they made simply alone on being able to get or having the actual AMC logo, you know, because uh, this is right around Breaking Bad point two. So especially if you're a comic book peep or like a comic book, you know, industry or peep, blah, 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 whatever, you're dynamite. Yeah. And somebody's walking around, it's like, I don't know anything about comics, but even something as little as that can grab your attention. And yeah, people watch Breaking Bad and then watch Comic Book Man or whatever. And Walking Dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's really true. at its peak around then. So specifically, like, having an AMC tie-in on a comic book probably seemed valuable. I didn't even think about that because Walking Dead is an image book, but image, you know, Walking Dead people love that. And you're right. I didn't even think about that connection. That's a good plug for dynamite to be like oh yeah the the network that plays the walking dead is where this comic comes from yeah um, i think there was really a thought that these indie properties could could ride the media bandwagon which did not turn out to be the case <laughs> well i mean and the you didn't necessarily talk about the premise of these shows why we compared these two things but the premise is uh people not staying in their lane right I think we did when you weren't here. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, so uh, it's people, people from other industries working in there. Sorry, we didn't. Sorry, so, we, we kept going when you were switching things over. Yeah. By all means, uh, you might have to keep going soon too, because I'm clipping out on you. I don't know if I'm clipping out toward you, but but you guys are clipping out on me again. Doesn't seem bad right now. Okay. For, well, that's great. We should be moving oh. to rap anyway, I think. It's Well, let me just say, uh, so, I was peeking at just, uh, Cryptozoic Man on Amazon uh, just because I was curious what it said about it. And uh, we were in the minority. Like, it's got like a four and almost a half stars on Amazon. That's, that's fanboys. It's got to be fanboys. So How can anyone enjoy it? I... Uh, there is only eleven percent of people who have a one who gave it a one star rating. Uh, like, 
the Invisibles is fucking crazy and confusing, but when you tease out the puzzle, it's interesting and it teaches you things about fucking conspiracy theory. This is just fucking garbage. I was angry at this book. Sure. Like, because I, because I, I followed some esoteric conspiracy theory shit. Uh, I've, I've, there's been, a, there's been times in my life where I found that shit interesting. I read Illuminatus trilogy, shit like that. Me too. High uh, five. So I, yeah, high five over computer. Uh, so I recognized bits of this shit, but like, there was so little reward for recognizing. Like, oh, this is like an Anunnaki, like fucking chariot of the gods, like humans created by alien shit. But who? But it, it just it made me mad to figure it out. Well, <laughs> like, okay. oh fuck, it's so- just this. Have you read Testament, Josh? Yes, we did it for the show. That's right, we ages did. Ages and ages ago. Yeah. Um. I well, I knew I. You know, my favorite my favorite author uh, writes a comic book, and it's not very good. That's I believe that's that's what I said in the uh, in that show. I may have I may have cleverly dodged it, uh, but that was that was my you know how I felt about reading that comic. Um, I think I read all of it from the library at one point. And uh, I thought it was it was better than this. Like again, no, it, I, I feel it was something that like was esoteric, but gave you reward for doing so. Like you you tease out like all of the sort of weird biblical reference and esoteric Christian references that were encoded in it, and it you know it gave you something to do in a way that maybe helped paper over the fact that the narrative wasn't all that great. Yeah, I mean you. Uh... I would, you compared it to Invisibles, and I was trying to think of something sort of less critically acclaimed that we could compare it to. That's all, because <laughs> yeah, like no, you know, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, same deal, and it's just not a not a not a great book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are the cover prices on these, Josh? I don't have them in front of me, so I have no fucking clue. Oh, Cody, Cody has them. I got it. I can be useful for something. All right. Uh, did you the, did you have a point? Because you started to say something when I asked the cover prices. No, I was literally about to say, like, I was just about to say, neither of these books are worth spending any money at all on. <laughs> I know. The thing about freshmen, like, whatever it's going to say on the cover, you can find it in the dollar bin. And I don't know if you really like fucking 90s comics. Cause it, it feels really 90s to me, too, is another thing that we didn't really get to. Would you agree, Aura? It oh, absolutely. Much that sort of top cow 90s feel. You 100% can Dead's tell uh, what what uh, what Mr. Seth was going for and what top cow wanted, you know? Yep. It feels very top cow, very 90s, early 2000s, very, yeah. And if if you, and I occasionally like that style because I find it kind of funny, Uh if you want something that hits that style, there are better things. But if you find this for a dollar, you know, it's a dollar. <laughs> half price books and it's sitting where it should be in the dollar section. <laughs> what's it what's it say on the cover then, Cody? Uh the freshman is sixteen ninety nine. That's uh that's about right for a top cow trade paperback. I assume in terms of number because I think it's a six issue. Like it's a full thing and then it's not a ripoff if you don't think about the quality of the work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and uh, cryptoz- Cryptozoic is going to be a cryptozoic. Hang on, before he says, before he says, I'm going to guess 1895. Josh, you got a guess? I think like 1899. 
1799. 1799. I knew it was around oh, there because I bought it. It wasn't that cheap on Amazon. Like, it is not. The thing about Freshman is that it was overprinted in the way that a lot of comics were in its era. So you can find it for cheap. Cryptozoic Man was not. You are paying for that. Uh, you are paying for that title and those three little letters AMC in an orange box. That's what you're paying for. Four issues for seventeen ninety nine. That's more than four well, an issue. And, and if you look at the book, four fifty an issue. Well, if you look at the book too, it's. I mean, they rip you off with mostly back matter. Yeah, there's a little back matter that you won't care about. Oh no no no! It's real bad too because so. When you when you look at the actual book, that much of it is the actual comic when you're paying almost eighteen, and then that much of it—it's definitely a quarter of it—is back matter, which includes, uh, you know, the typical drawing stuff. But then one, two, the script. That's right. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen pages of just the blank, like double spaced script. And then there's about uh, ten pages worth of like alternative covers, and that's all. But those script pages, like, it clearly don't have any editing. There's no, like, pencil marks or margin doodles or anything like that. It's not interesting. I mean, some comics include the script thing as a sort of interesting curio as to how the process works. But the thing is, I would want that in a comic that succeeded. Yeah. Being what it wanted to. Not this. When you look at it, it honestly, it makes it worse because you realize how little there is on each page, page to page. It's like, oh, even though the text is really dense at some points, you're like, it's not saying anything, really. You're spending like multiple panels for a character to like yell one sentence slowly. Yep. 15 pages. That's nuts. That's literally like half of one of the issues like already over half of one well it's it's good like i like that sort of processy stuff when it's bonus material yeah like and it's pretty clear that it's not like impinging upon the price of the thing in this case you know it's 100 percent certainly you know creating allowing them to create that 17.99 price point instead of what they probably should have charged for this book which was more like 12.95 or 14.95 you know 14.95 i'd more than twelve, like more than like three bucks an issue for a thing, is almost always a bit, a bit much in my opinion. Yeah, especially when it's a collected trade too. Like Marvel really sticks it to people, especially now. Yeah. But like, yeah. at least no, when you, at least when you look at it, you're like, okay, they're not scalping you that much off of like what the uh, like cover price are for the individual issues are. Or and I have a running thing talking about how bad Marvel's collections traditionally are. But like I have, I have iterations of the show. multiple Absolutely. different types of Mike Mignola books where he has all those sketch pages. But every single, if it's just sketch pages, he'll have paragraphs next to it that explain his process. Or if it's r- script pages, he'll have drawings with it. And like Paul Pope does that too, where it really does look like in you know an inside look into their process. And I love those ones, but they're usually in a good book. <laughs> Yeah, we're much more in favor of DC in terms of price point on this show. Because DC will 
the thing we always like about DC is how it produces things at multiple price points. Like you'll have your initial money grab uh, graphic novel, then you'll have a uh, some with a uh, like larger editions with lower quality printing and reduced cost. You'll have mm, special yeah. edition hardcovers. You'll have compendium editions. Like they're just really good at keeping stuff in print in different different kinds of editions at different price points, so that. You always have Letting you choose is important there too, because like for me, you know, I sort of prefer, sometimes I prefer, depending on how much I like the things, you know, uh, you know, I might prefer the oversized hardcover with all the process crap uh, yeah. for things that I just want to like, you know, maybe reread someday. Like I appreciate the inexpensive, cheaply printed, you know, like, you know, looks yeah. neat on my shelf in a block kind of book, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I have the Kaiju Max oversized deluxe with fucking page by page commentary because I fucking love Kaiju Max. But like, I'm glad that it's available in cheaper forms too so that people who aren't as into it can get it. Yeah, I really love it too. And I probably would have that if I didn't already own, I own all of the like direct to market, like, uh, paperbacks for that series too because it's like okay as soon as one of those seasons comes out I want to like have it all and ready to share with people around me <laughs> so yeah read other comics check yeah. hoopla if you want if you're if you're curious but don't be oh you guys froze up <laughs> oh he froze up you said don't be and then it ended. Ah, uh, I think what he was saying was maybe check the Hoopla app, which is like the local public library app to digitally read comics for yeah. the the two books that we covered on the show today. Yeah. So, time to if wrap. You're curious. Uh, here's something that will be fun. Or I'll read our cash. Huh? Wait. Huh? You there, buddy? <laughs> What's even funnier is uh, I don't have the cash. I can pull it up if you want. Uh, I could pull it. Before I can't do it, I will pull up the script for it. <laughs> we, we may have lost Aura, but that's okay because with, with this freaking trio, if one of us is out, the other two of us can stay on focus. <laughs> I mean, it's all a shit show anyway, so it doesn't matter. We're, we're almost exactly at an hour and a half, too, so this is right around the time where we usually manage to stretch another 30 minutes into it. Ugh, 30 minutes about RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, so, there I am. Oh, God oh, okay. damn it. Ugh. I was just about to replace you. You can... Don't... You, you've you been bucking for my job since the <laughs> jump, Mr. Mr. I don't want to read the catch. You can read it, buddy. Read uh, this. Read this shit. Oh, yeah, no, uh, check it. Uh, we actually did have a little bit of viewer mail this week. Um, oh, okay. Like, if you if you recall, uh, viewer uh, pod person, uh, that pod person, uh, Christina, uh, actually mentioned, uh, and I'm not sure if we uh, talked about this before, but uh, mentioned briefly that she really appreciated in the uh, last episode where uh, Haley made a brief That was that was damn hilarious in the audio. We missed all of that. Haley made a brief. <laughs> yeah. uh, made a brief cameo. Oh. Yeah, I assumed it was of, of that. Yeah. Nature. And she thought it was damn hilarious. 
that wasn't this last week's because the most recent one was the Satan's uh, cheerleaders. Yeah, it would have been the ketchup special was the first one. Yeah. Well, hey, pod person Christina, you have more to look forward to because we talked about Haley and me a little bit at the beginning of this episode, I think. Yep. I think she made a brief appearance on this one. Yeah, her foot's been in the shot for most of it, too. It's it's so great when the mic picks her up. is hilarious. That was great. It's, it's also funny when you see it, too, because now our bed is big enough that it, like, is always in shot of the camera, and you just saw her, like, her feet were sitting, like, here, and they just went, like, yep. up out of frame. Yep, that was pretty fucking great. <laughs> She's laying on it like diagonally now. <laughs> or has vanished into the void, as do we all in our time. This is true. Uh, so I will read our cash. <laughs> uh, that podcast stays up all night is not the thing that I'm reading it for, but it's what I'm reading the script off of. <laughs> <laughs> this was that podcast will never do. Already made a fucking travesty of it that podcast will never do is a presentation of that podcast productions uh, you can find our podcasts blogs and assorted nonsense on that podcast productions dot fm you can also find us on facebook as the that podcast stays up all night slumber party uh, on instagram as that dot podcast dot productions and on twitter as at that productions if podcatchers are your thing, you can find us as That Podcast Productions on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, or you can just add the RSS feed from your website if you have a if you have a podcatcher, which is my preferred way to do podcasts. Uh, Cody, who does the who does our art? Our art is done by the wonderful and talented Abby. Uh, you can contact her for uh, work and also just kind of see a gallery of the stuff that she's already created on Instagram at Rosari Art, R-O-Z-A-R-I-A-R-T. And that is on Instagram. If you, are, if you do want to get in contact with her and are having trouble using that, just reach out to us through any of our pod stuff and we'll be more than happy to put you in contact with her as well. If you've seen our any of our web presence, you know that her logo is fucking on point, so you should totally give her work. Yep. Works uh, great. Remember to subscribe and review and email us your comments at that.podcast.productions at gmail.com and you can join Pod Person Christina in the Pod Person Nation. Hail Pod People. So, oh yeah, you got to do the promo as well for the uh, for the other show. Uh, <laughs> if you like girls uh, and you like comics and you like underrated new wave band Talk Talk, you should listen to our sister podcast, Girls Talk Comics. It's the best short comics podcast that we are affiliated with. Oh, and sadly, it has nothing to do with mixed artists, Girl Talk. Go to girlstalkcomics.fireside.fm today. Eventually, I'll need to write a new bumper for that commercial. But I just love the Talk Talk reference. Talk Talk and Girl Talk. I like a constant reference to both of those at any point in time. Uh, look at Old Man Aura trying to... Well, well this is stupid and fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, love the, I love the quality of the audio change, too. Oh, my God. Using your Zoom chat room, well, Aura. Well, the, yeah, right. Thanks. Uh, no, this is a... I, I had to connect on the phone because both of my internets are not working now. Oh, so, Ooh, 
you'll get to enjoy the joy of calling a well Midcoast customer service isn't the worst. I will say that. I don't I we keep talking about our our internet service. Oh well. Yeah. Those, those, anyway, and it's not like there's more than one. Well look, like <laughs> I uh I can be understanding up to a point on this stuff. Like like <laughs> if 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 my podcast, you know, meeting is fucking up, that's one thing. But the bigger problem I have is like I teach the class, you know, like, so if this is, cause this, this happened last week too, a little bit and it ended up really fucking up on Monday and I had to cancel class cause it was just so like I was clipping in and out so bad. Like, so yeah, I mean, like I get it. The, the network wasn't meant to handle the load that it's taking. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, <laughs> the load's too heavy. You're giving it too much. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So, well, if you if you do the real thing, which when your ISP people are over, like you got to slip them that fifty, and that's when they replace the painted cardboard box with an actual router. Oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Aren't you both? Are you both AT and T, or are you Midco's as well? No, I'm Midco. Fuck AT and T. Yeah, the, I would never go back to eight. the, the U-verse. Ugh. AT&T yeah. were my, they were the people that I was on when I first lived in this town, and they suck a nut. You remember all that, Aura? With them punching I holes do. in the walls? I do. Never fucking, never again with them. Especially in the various, like, small-ish towns mm-hmm. and, like, places that I have lived. The AT&T is, like universally bad everywhere i go every single person has like awful stories about dealing with them too which is not to mention the like service itself is bad in in fairness i have this theory having lived in several places and had several different internet service providers uh they're all bad oh no some are worse than others but none of them are good companies i will say this if you have anywhere in your area, which if you do live in Kansas, there are some areas that have it anywhere that you can get fiber optic internet. It doesn't matter what that costs pay for that. Uh, when I lived in Emporia, there is a uh, internet company an ISP out there that's called value net. That is fiber optic internet. And it's a flat fee of $60 with no extra charges or changes or anything like that. And that was when I lived in a house with like two other like full-time gamer people so we would be having like two different Xboxes and a PlayStation and like everybody's phones. This was during Pokemon Go too. And we <laughs> never, ever, ever had any problems with them. So shout out, shout out Emporia internet service providers. <laughs> okay. That is the yeah, episode was- of uh, ISP talk. <laughs> did, we the, did we do the one thing this week yet? Oh yeah. We didn't do the one thing this week. Yeah. Let's, Let's keep it brief this week. In the brief, uh, do you guys have? I, I unfortunately, because now I'm audio, I can't see either of you. Oh, <laughs> um, are you guys? I mean, I'm ready, but yeah, you should go since yeah. we might lose you at any point in time. Uh, well, the phone isn't going to give out, I don't think. Um, you say that, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, well, so uh, I watched an interesting film this weekend called uh, Japanese Summer Double Suicide. Um, yeah, it is exactly what it sounds like, too. <laughs> um, but it was uh, it's it's from a it's from a uh, 
the Criterion Eclipse collection. Uh, Eclipse stuff, I'm to gather, is usually their kind of foreign brand. They're like uh, overseas sort of stuff that like is no. more esoteric. Is that? It's, am I wrong on that? It's more esoteric stuff within sort of subgenres that they that they work in. Like, I'm get this is this is one of the Japanese like teen crime type things. I think right. Uh yeah. Like yeah, there's stuff like like stuff like Tokyo Drifter and Branded to Kill are on their main label, but then they'll release an Eclipse collection, which usually contains several films that are in similar genres. Like like a lot of these movies were, I, I believe, if I recall my Japanese cinema classes, were like matinee movies in Japan. Like that's where they were very popular youth matinee movies. Weird oh movie. sure. Um, uh, I would not want my kids watching this. Um, oh, Japan's weird. Yeah. Uh, so it uh, it's a uh, it's look up, look up what Joe Shishido looks like and understand that that guy was a matinee idol. <laughs> oh <you'll>... sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll look up so, Joe Shishido and put him in the put him on the screen here for you. Oh well, I can't see the screen, but um. Oh, well, Cody will be able to. Co- Cody Cody will be able to enjoy it. Um, I'll let Cody meanwhile, I'll let Cody describe it. God. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, so the movie that I watched uh, was was sort of a, a crime-ish, uh, like you said, uh, teen crime movie uh, about a, a couple that kind of falls in love and uh, and falls in with the wrong crowd. And uh, then, uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to give it away. So <laughs> that's that's a that's about where I'm going to leave it. But it it was uh you know having having had this sitting around the house for a little while, I I quite enjoyed you know just you know, eating into the two watch stack. You know, I mentioned it earlier that like super is sitting on that stack. Uh, I got, you know, several of these eclipse collections that are also kind of sitting on that to watch stack. And I'm, I'm finding some, some pretty good things uh, there. Cool. Yeah. I think you'd probably, that'd be an interesting thing for you to get into with your streaks of things. I think you would like, you should watch branded to kill. That's a really good example of one of them. And it stars Joe Shishido. Cody, would you describe the picture I have of Joe Shishido? Uh, you know how everybody pretends like they have to put a bunch of cotton in their mouth to do a Godfather impersonation? It's that. <laughs> Joe Shishido got collagen implants in his peaks. Oh, that's even worse. His career, fuck? And he has these giant chipmunk pouch cheeks. And that's fucking the notable thing about Joe Shishido. He it looks like a Cabbage Patch doll grown up. Oh, is, okay. One of the most astounding things you'll ever fucking see in your in your life. He is he was a squirrel man. That makes me so uncomfortable knowing that that's not just like his cheeks just have that much extra room. That that's like collagen, baby. uh, uh. (laughs) Oh, I have seen i I have seen Brandon to kill actually. Okay, (laughs) I love Brandon to kill. It's fucking great. Yeah, it is. It is in my wheelhouse. Um, and it was fun to watch. Josh, your thing? Uh, my thing is going to be, I finally, in the interest of not doing video games for one week, <laughs> uh, I finally got around to watching WrestleMania 36. Uh, it was, as most WWE events are, kind of hit or miss. Uh, <laughs> there was a really good match with uh, Seth Rollins and uh, and Kevin Owens, who are two of my faves. Uh and a few other good matches sprinkled in and some mediocre matches. But the one that I think a lot of people have been talking about and that I definitely 
at least the kinds of wrestling fan that I am, have been talking about, that I definitely want to throw it in for is the Firefly Funhouse match between uh, John wait, Cena wait, wait, and wait, 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 wait. God, or this oh. is how these become 30 extra minutes. <laughs> what was this called again? The Firefly Funhouse match. All right, Cody, do you know what this is? It's a wrestle event. So no, uh, I'm, I'm. What I'm saying is, I think we should, we could have a little fun with this and try to guess what, what the gimmick of it is. Yeah, no, try and guess the gimmick. Both of you, go ahead. Um, God, this is too violent. But for some reason, like I'm, I'm thinking there might be a flamethrower involved. Yeah, that's your guess. How about you, Cody? It's called Firefly Funhouse event. Firefly Funhouse match. Um. Uh, you, ladders. Ladders are already present involved in this somehow. Uh, that's that's what I'm gonna say. Both very wrong, and there's no way that you were gonna get it right. <laughs> so Bray Wyatt was a wrestler who, uh, his initial gimmick was that he was the cult leader. Uh, the Wyatt family, and then he got beat a lot by John Cena. Uh, so a year or two ago, he came back with a new gimmick. Uh, he had become the host of this children's show called Firefly Funhouse. It was because he used to, he has this entrance where when he comes out, he has everybody pull out lighters and he calls them his fireflies. Uh. Um, so that's where that comes from. Uh, in this new gimmick, he is in this weird alternate children's show universe where he's occasionally possessed by a demon. And he, he would have matches that beat people up and carry a lantern made of his former head. Uh, so he challenged John Cena to a Firefly Funhouse match for this WrestleMania. Uh, and they have a lot of history together. Uh, nobody really knew what it would be. What it turned out being was, cause all of this was, you know, this is, they can't, they weren't doing, they were doing live matches, but they weren't, or I think they were live or maybe they were pre-taped. I'm not sure, but they can't have audiences at the moment due to the virus, uh, kerfuffle. So uh, this was a pre-taped and edited segment in which John Cena enters the funhouse world of Bray Wyatt and Bray Wyatt leads him through a psychological deconstruction of John Cena's personality that proves that he was actually a villain the whole time. And it ends with the psychological destruction of John Cena. Oh. <laughs> uh, it is, it's not even really a match. Like there aren't, many moves it's mostly very narrative it is if you get a chance to see it i don't know if wwe has been taking it down from fucking youtube or anything but if it's up on youtube fucking watch it because it is crazy shit and man is it everything i love in wrestling it's funny and <laughs> weird and deeply disturbing and addresses the history of fucking wrestling and like the psychological underpinnings where like often the, the good guys are behaving in ways that if we really think about them are fucking horrific and terrible and hurtful to people. <laughs> That's weird. It's, it's so really it's, amazing. It's, it's I recommend it so much. Huh? Was that? It's doing its own postmodern deconstruction, huh? It absolutely is. It, is, it might be the first postmodern wrestling match that I have seen. Wowzers. 
because it deconstructs John Cena. Like the basic point of it is John Cena's actions are not heroic or to be emulated, but in the process, it kind of gets into it, it ties into this larger narrative about wrestling faces and the way to which characters like through implication characters like Hulk Hogan are so often not good people, you know, it's real good. Check it out. <laughs> I don't usually say that about wrestling because what, a lot of people don't like wrestling, but I, I would, anyone with the mildest spark of interest to it, I would recommend watching. Well, that's my thing. My thing was, yeah. <laughs> uh, my thing was the midnight gospel that's on uh, Netflix. A friend of mine was talking about that last night. Very Is cool. This, it's like the Bible black. <laughs> no, it's not like that. <laughs> he, <laughs> Haley, yeah. he's like, is this like the Bible black? <laughs> That's very, very funny. I, I love, I can't wait to see how many Google searches that spawns for, for that particular property. Um, <laughs> Kids don't search Bible black. <laughs> midnight, uh, <laughs> the midnight gospel get the wrong idea is uh is this new <laughs> netflix thing it's about eight episodes it's the it's the new thing from pendleton ward who is the creator of adventure time the original creator who hasn't done anything since that he actually didn't finish the show either he stepped down creatively from that show uh like i think at season three or four that it went through so what Midnight Society is, is an already existing podcast uh, that is hosted by a guy named Duncan Trussell, I believe is his name. And he interviews like lots of different uh, people, experts in field. It's very religious, philosophical, emotional type thing. But what this new thing is, is it's like they basically reskin these interviews and they create a fake persona for the interviewer Clancy. So now he has this new name and each episode is like incredibly bizarre, trippy, super jail type animation. That's literally just like set to uh, an interview that like older interviews as well that were conducted. Uh, Cause I don't want to get into anything because as the episodes progress, it gets weirder, but it also gets more real and more heavy. And uh, the, the person who does the interview, both of his parents are dead but one of his parents had um, bone cancer. And so they went through that for a very long period of time. So he has interviews with that family member, like before they died. Wow. It is very heavy, very, very heavy, very cool though. You'll probably cry, honestly, if you watch it all in one like setting, not a bad way. Here's a really weird coincidence. The person who mentioned that last night when we were playing games was was Aaron, uh, guest of the show on girls talk comics co-worker of you guys uh-huh. uh i think she's still a co-worker of you guys yeah she, <laughs> yes uh, she's hard to know really <laughs> she's always talking about leaving um the other thing that she mentioned there's some all, other, i can't remember what we were talking about she was talked about recognizing a guy from another show and realizing that it was the guy from sky high which is another reference that cody made earlier <laughs> <laughs> so you made 
and I've had two Zoom calls that constitute the, the sum total of my social interactions over the past two days, and uh, <laughs> both of them mentioned Midnight Gospel and Sky High. That is, both of those things are on Netflix, so that's a perfect concoction for tonight. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough of that. And so, uh, this, uh, uh, the the podcast we'll never do is a proud presentation I of did, that podcast. I did that, or we did that. You oh, fool! Well, you never mind. Forget it. I did the cash. Oh, I'm sorry. You we were okay. the thing no, before I the cash. I didn't know when you were going to be back. No, 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 no. The, I didn't. Guys, 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 guys. I didn't know if I was coming back. <laughs> Fair enough. Exactly. That's why we the the thing that we did this week was is usually the last thing that we do that we stretch the episode into two hours, which we're five oh. minutes away from. Oh, stop it! <laughs> All right. So uh, you had enough of this shit for one show, then. Coming, we're doing Eating Raul for uh, for stays up all night next week, and then after that, we are doing the Spirit. spirit. Yeah, uh, to continue the theme um, for further ado, which continues the themes of people who have no fucking clue what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, people from different media working. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. Thank you. Goodbye, folks. <laughs> See you guys.